Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Oh, is he a mighty king to somebody today? Hallelujah. Woo! Hallelujah, my Lord have mercy. Can I testify a second? That's why you need a preacher. Because it wasn't for a preacher, I wouldn't have that. Somebody preached the truth to me. Somebody told me to repent. Somebody told me of a greater way. Oh, God's been good to me. Thank God for somebody preaching the word. I'm a benefactor. I am better. I am blessed. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. For that preacher there who opened his pulpit to me for the first time and had he not been sensitive to the Holy Ghost, I wouldn't have what I have today. I'm, I'm a blessed man. Hallelujah. If you, if you don't mind, if you just reach for your Bibles, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Amen. I do feel some pressure off of me. She's already done it. Amen. So I, I can just, I can be me. Amen. Praise the Lord. Second Corinthians chapter four. I give honor to my mother-in-law and father-in-law and my family. I appreciate the kindness. Uh, you know, when when five people come to stay with you for the weekend, it's, you can't. You might sneak one in or two, but you can't move five in and be unnoticed. And so, uh, so we, we we thank them for their kindness and all of you, all of you who mean so much to us and. Uh, we we pray for you and and we we are better because we, we know you. That is for sure. Amen. I uh, I know where I want to end and and I could begin at a, a variety of places, but I feel, just felt led uh, to go here. Second Corinthians chapter four, and uh, Sister Boyd, I believe, was they were singing. I just believe the Holy Ghost was uh, ministering to a certain area. Amen. I told my wife on the way over here what I was feeling in the Lord. And, and I said, I run the risk if I do this of, of, of just maybe preaching to one or two and might be misunderstood. And, and she said, well, if there's nobody there that's going through something, she goes, we're going there. And so either my house is for sale or I have to be on target. That's the, that's the only two choices I have. But verse 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 4 says, uh, we are troubled on every side. You, you always have a, a little measure of trouble. You'll always have something rubbing against you just about all the time, but there'll be certain occasions where it comes from everywhere. I feel this so strong in the Holy Ghost that while I was over there praising worship, 
that I felt like this could be somebody's journal that I'm reading this morning in this room. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. If you don't know it yet, life can be overwhelming. And if you don't know it yet, that uh, there'll be occasions in life where you're going to need all the word, all the church, all the Holy Ghost you can muster to just stand. To, I don't mean shout. I don't mean run. But just you're going to need everything you've ever heard just to hold your ground. I'm not trying to be pessimistic, but life can be overwhelming. But I've come today, uh, and it'll make sense, I hope, in a little while with a, with a phrase uh, that my dear elder brother Birds would say. And it came back this week before I come, and I believe it's for this, but it's simple, but it's, he simply would say this. You may give out, but don't give up. You may give out, but just don't give up. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Mm. I wish my wife hadn't have said what she said about the comfort zone because I'm always kind of wild, but when she said that, it just kind of, the Holy Ghost really began to deal with me. Hallelujah. What somebody needs to keep on going is in this house today. Hallelujah. If you'll just have faith to receive it, I'm not talking about, it may not get any better, but what you need to keep on going is in this house today. For the mighty God we serve knew what you had need of. Hallelujah. And I've come to tell you, he's heard your prayer. He's heard your petition. Hallelujah. And there's something in this house today. If you just make up your mind, I'm not going to give up. 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 You better say it before you get there. Say it before it happens. Hallelujah. Mm. Woo, hallelujah. Will you put your Bibles down? I just need you to pray. Let's ask faith to rise up here. Hallelujah. Lord, we believe in the name of the Lord. Lord, I believe that you have sent me here, Lord. I believe you have sent me and my wife here, Lord. Hallelujah. To encourage somebody. Hallelujah. Woo. Hallelujah. My God, let there be deliverance in the name of the Lord. Let there be liberty in the name of the Lord. Let somebody know the helper is in the house. The healer is in the house. The wonder worker is still in the house. Hallelujah. Lord, I felt you when I walked in. Hallelujah. I pray from wall to wall and side to side. Let there be a sovereign move of the Holy Ghost. And somebody say in Jesus' name. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Can, is anybody able to testify with me? Well, we're not trying to 
uh, you know, we're not trying to murmur and complain, but has anybody ever been there that you have been troubled on every side? Hey, Amen. I, I don't know where my, there's my sister Merle there. I love her dearly. Uh, years ago, one of my first trips here, she, she said, I asked her how she was doing, and she said she had enough battles to keep her on her knees and enough victories to keep her going. And, and that's pretty much how it will work out. Hallelujah. That you're always going to have something that, that chances are not everything is going your way because we need something to pray about. We need something to rub us. My God, I believe the Apostle Paul said it like this. You know that to keep from being too lifted up too high, uh, certain things will come and buffet him in his life. So there are always certain things that kind of remind us that we're just earthy and we're just of this world and, and a, a better place is yet to come because this world is not my home but, but there are occasions in life where it seems like it comes from every angle. It seems like there's trouble in the spiritual realm. There's trouble in the natural realm. Uh, there's times where there's trouble on the job and trouble in the church and trouble in the home. And uh, you're used to some of it, but when it comes from everywhere, it almost seems like it's more than what you can bear. But the Lord sent me here to tell you a simple reminder that he will not forsake you. Hallelujah. He will not leave you he will not leave you comfortless you may be weary you may be tired you may not know what to do but if you just make up your mind to not give up the amplified version of 2 Corinthians 4 says we're hedged in pressed on every side troubled and oppressed in every way but not cramped or crushed we suffer embarrassments, perplexed and unable, unable to find a way out, but not driven to despair. We are pursued and persecuted and hard driven, but not deserted to where we think we're standing alone. Hallelujah. We're struck down to the ground, but never struck out and destroyed. Sounds like my wife saying down, but not out, doesn't it? Hallelujah. I believe the Holy Ghost has sent a word of comfort here today that you're not by yourself. You're not alone. Hallelujah. I know it's very elementary, but sometimes life can be so overwhelming that you lose your sense of direction. It can rob you of your faith, and, and you kind of wonder. The, the prophet Elijah went through it. He said, hey, I'm the only one trying to do right. I'm the only one serving God. He felt like he was the only one doing it, and the Lord said, Elijah, I've got seven thousand. Sometimes you feel like you've been abandoned but can I tell you there's one with you who'll never leave you. And, and what I'm trying to say is that there's no doubt that we're living in a very overwhelming hour. I don't know if it's in Hatch Bend but it's at home that we, that we have sickness in the church and and, you know, and people's hearts failing them for fear. Amen. And I feel like here lately God's been dealing with me about the mind because the mind is such an important thing. Uh, the Bible tells us as we think in our heart, amen, so are we. 
Amen. If we think defeat, I'm not talking about the power of positive thinking, but I'm talking about how your mind determines your faith. And, and if you feel like you're defeated, you'll be defeated. If you feel like you're not going to come through it, you're probably not going to come through it. you you got to have a mind there. Hallelujah. Mm, and can I tell somebody, you need to make up your mind before you get in this thing. Hallelujah. And I'm not giving up. Uh, this is not momentary. It's not temporary. I am in this thing for the long haul. Oh, hallelujah. I, thinking about the mind, I was thinking about Ephesians chapter 6, Brother Gibson, uh, about the whole armor of God. And, and with that armor, I don't know, I'm, I want to ask Paul one day, I'm kind of nosy. I want to ask him why he did it. Because if it was me, I would have started with the, you know, from either the feet to the head or from the head to the feet. But if you read the listing of the armor and he got down to the end, I would have put, uh, uh, I would have put the sword and the shield together, because we even sing the old song. I'm gonna lay down my sword and shield, you know, down by the riverside. And so if I was going to ride it and talk to somebody, I would have my weapons, my sword and my shield together. But when Paul addressed it, he he had the shield of faith, then he had the helmet of salvation, then he had the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It, it could mean nothing. But the Bible is very specific in what it addresses. And so I'm wondering, Brother Jerry, I'm wondering if the Paul was telling the church that you need to have something surrounding, something covering your mind that, that somehow the helmet of salvation reminding yourself of who you are and what you are I'm a child of the king I've been born again of the water and of the spirit hey you got to convince yourself that you're saved that you're redeemed that you've been restored you got to convince yourself that if God be for us who can be against us you got to make up your mind that if he becomes a good work in me he will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ that's how important your mind is I'm probably be wild before I get done here I get really wild at home I have our folks lay hands on themselves I do because sometimes you won't have the church with you. And your mind will play tricks on you. Your heart will play tricks on you. You'll be thinking things you know not to think. You'll be feeling abandoned and forsaken and feel like giving up. And I told our church, if you don't have a preacher there, if you don't have the oil there, you just take them hands and put it on your own head and you plead the blood and you plead the name. That's how important I believe your mind is. Because there will be days that you are given out, wore out, weary. In those days, you've got to have your mind made up that even though I may give out, I'm not giving up. I'm heading somewhere with that. Just bear with me. I forgot to look at what time I took the pulpit to, so forgive me about that. But God is so good. How was... Uh, I want to remind you before I get to the meat of my message that, that we're in a spiritual kingdom 
and it's governed by spiritual principles. And the head of this church is Jesus Christ and, and what we think for, that's good for us and what he thinks is good for us doesn't always match. For example, the psalmist said it was good for me to be afflicted. When's the last time you testified that? Thank God for the pneumonia. Come on now, y'all don't, oh, I'm not afraid to preach to you. Jenny's already done. I'm going to have fun this morning. But somehow how we feel like it's working out and how we think it should play out, that God doesn't order his kingdom just that way. Because we, we don't want the kind of adversity. We don't want to go through those things. But the, we, if we don't go through some hardships, we can't appreciate the blessing and bounty of God. I'm making sense uh, that you you got to go, you got to suffer some embarrassment. You got to suffer some shame in order so when you do get to where God wants you to be, you can value it and you can keep it. I'll tell myself a whole lot of it today. I told the church a week, I don't know, I was talking about valuing things, and here it comes again. But my first vehicle, y'all ready? My first vehicle that I drove, 16-year-old boy, a 1982 Delta Oldsmobile, Delta 88 Oldsmobile, two-door. It was long as this church is wide. Had it been four doors, it'd look like a hearse. It's hard to look cool. I know y'all don't do this, but I put my CB antenna on top of my Delta 88. That's the truth. But that's when that's all you had. It's all you had. I couldn't afford anything else to, to drive. I, didn't, I mean, oh, hallelujah. And so, but, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. And so when I, when I got out of school and, man, I, my next vehicle was a, a 1984 Chevy S10. This is 1992. So it's eight years old. Man, I thought it was an Escalade. When you go from the two-door olds, and now I have a truck. I didn't get the floppy antenna. I got the, the stiff antenna that goes on the toolbox. I, I felt like I arrived. But even then, God was teaching me a principle about his kingdom. That when you have to work for something and struggle for When you got to fight your way through it. And fight your way to get it. When you get it, you appreciate it more than something just being given to you. So don't get mad about the fight. The fight is your best friend. The battle is good for you because when you get the ground, you'll thank God for it. You know it was God that did it and God that brought you through. Hallelujah. David understood it when David took Jerusalem. I believe it was Second Samuel 6 when he took Jerusalem from the Jebusites. And they, they, they made fun of him. They mocked him. Hallelujah. 
my God have mercy. And they said, the only way that you can take the city is you take the lame and blind away. In other words, they're saying, we don't have to fight you off with our army. We'll fight you with just the lame and the blind, and they'll keep you out of here. And the only way you can take the city is if you take the lame and the blind and just come in with nobody here. And David reminded his soldiers of how they defied God and defied David and his army. And I believe my verse is right. He says, who will go up, my God, by the way of the gutter? Hallelujah. Who will go up by the way of the gutter? My God. That's our problem. We don't want to, we want to go the easy way. But sometimes your victory can only be found by going the way of the gutter. But if God can find somebody. I've come to help somebody. If God can find somebody who'll dance when they don't feel like dancing. If God finds somebody who'll run when they don't feel like running. God finds somebody who'll pray when they don't feel like praying. If they'll go up by the way of If they'll go up by the way of the gutter. Can I go a little bit deeper with that? When David took the stronghold of Zion, that's the very place he's going to put the ark, the power of God, the word of God. He cleared off a spot and said, you're never getting this back, devil. If you're willing to go up by the way of the gutter, God will give you something that will be yours forever. But it will only come to those who won't give up. Amen. You can be seated. We like verses. Like a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. But you need to read the rest of that verse. Because who's have a sorrowful countenance? It's got a broken spirit. There's nothing wrong with your spirit being broken on occasion. The same Bible that says the merry heart doeth good like a medicine also says in Ecclesiastes 7 and 3 that sorrow is better than laughter. For by the soundness of the countenance, the heart is made better. Now, I don't want y'all to do it here today, maybe. But I enjoy services where weeping, there's something cleansing about tears. And There's something so overwhelming about this hour. That has a, if we're not careful, it will numb our emotions to where we feel nothing. My, my other job is I'm a, I'm a middle school assistant principal. And, uh, you know, so one thing I get to enjoy is I get to be told off by parents <laughs> every day. There's no issue of pride with this old boy. I'm told how sorry I am just about every day. And so it kind of keeps me. But what I've noticed is, is there's so much going on in homes that when I call these homes, talk to these parents, and I'm saying, ma'am, I'm truly sorry to have to say this, but your, your child's in the office and this is what happened. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking for something. I'm listening for something. 
Y'all didn't grow up this way. My only speech about school was this. That school has got one time to call me about you. I told our church, I'm like 19 years old, Brother Kevin. For I ever knew that a child had a side of the story. I mean, I didn't know. You mean I could be right? My mom would whip me first. And if I was right, she'd say, well, this, you got away with something. I didn't come. Jenny, y'all blame it on Jenny. She preached my message. I'm just going to have a good time. But, but so, I'm, so I'm waiting. And here's a, some type of emotion. Oh, my word, I can't, you know, tears or, or anger. But many times, just nothing. It's just. I question the Lord about it. and Because I believe that sometimes things can come at you from so many angles that it numbs you to where you no longer feel the emotions. And so really sorrow and being pricked in your spirit and being convicted of wrong and a mindset of brokenness is not something you should refrain from because it will do more for you than any shout, any dance. Can I just be real and talk to you? Our, our kids at church have been singing that song, you know, Break Every Chain, and, and they, they're, they've, they're signing it, and, and man, they got all the bells and whistles. They... They got, they've got this boy, they tie him up in chains and put him up here and they're signing on this side of him, signing him in, I hear the chains falling and man, we're having church. And twice now that they've signed it and the Holy Ghost has moved and, and I'm not being judgmental, but, but I see people in our, in our own church who come up and they get blessed and they rejoice. But a week later, it seems like they're tied up again. Because the real battle's not going to be won on the outside. You're not going to whip it until you whip it in your head. You're not going to get the victory until you get the victory in your mind. Though they slay me, yet I'll trust in him. And for me and my house, we will say, you got to get something down in your spirit that calls you to not be able to give up. So, so that's, that, that's my foundation. So sorrow's better than laughter. When's the last time you said, I'd rather laugh, I'd rather cry than laugh? Yeah. But the Bible's got a unique way of laying out his kingdom. Uh, there's some odd travel companions in the word. We can see that pain and promise usually ride together. And then we can see the presence of resistance and the presence of revival. In the same story. In the same scene, we can see both persecution and power. Which brings me to what I want to say to leave with you this morning. A few weeks for a while now, I've been preaching from Matthew 5 to 7, the Sermon on the Mount.
on Wednesday nights. And uh, two weeks ago, I think, on a Wednesday night, we, we were closing and the altar called him. It was the night that I talked on uh, mourning and meekness and, and blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted. And don't tell the home folks this, but as I was closing, has been came to mind. Because as I was closing, uh, the Holy Ghost was moving. And I could tell you, I walked up here toward the pulpit, toward our pen, I mean, and people around the altar just kind of praying and exhorting. And, and I said, there's a miracle on the other side of your morning. Because the promise is this. That there'll be seasons of mourning, but you shall be comforted. The enemy would like to cut you off at that verse and say it's just going to be mourning. But the Bible tells me, hallelujah, that there's something on the other side of your sadness. There's something on the other side of your sorrow. There's something on the side of the other side of your grief. And I'm not kidding you. I was exhorting and I said there's a miracle on the other side of your mourning. And the Holy Ghost quickened me and said you take that to the bend. And so I'm here to tell somebody today there is something on the other side of what you've been going through. There's something there's something in this house for you. I know I'm not say that I felt it was going to get any better but there's comfort in this house today for somebody if it's in your body, in your spirit in your home, in your marriage and you have been going through it and I don't mean that to be a cliche I mean I feel led I'm looking for somebody who came to church this morning looking for something and I've come to tell you there is something on the other side of your sorrow Oh, you don't believe me, but can I tell you, we've been made do it for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Thou has turned for me my morning into dancing. God's got a way of turning this thing around. Uh, you, you can be seated. I don't... I don't mean to have a meddling spirit. But I'm going to preach this morning and I'm reaching for somebody. Because I've had the Holy Ghost just been so so thick on me. And I feel like I'm commissioned just to help somebody today. But I feel like that you might be afraid to step out here in a minute. I said, Lord, what is this I'm feeling? And when I said the scripture came to me that Paul told Timothy, about a really an unknown man in a new text by the name of Nesphorus. And Paul told Timothy, he said, blessed his house of Nesphorus with mercy, for he oft refreshed me, and he was not ashamed of my shame. How can I tell somebody 
that if you're in this house this morning and you feel troubled on every side, you're not the only one in this house to feel that way. You're not the only one who has ever felt that way. And you're looking at a preacher, I'm not ashamed to come lay hands on you. I'm not ashamed to tell you that God's got something on the other side of this. I'm rising to tell somebody there's a miracle on the other side of your morning. Somebody say in Jesus' name. Sister, will you put the picture up there for me? I want to, I'm going to make reference to this. I'm asking you now, if I guess it's too late, for a personal reference. I'm on. I can't preach to you unless I can relate to it. I don't know how other folks are, but usually my best preaching is preaching I've had to walk out myself. This picture is our church from September. Uh, September was a year, isn't that cool? I didn't know, I didn't know I preached my first time in September. I'd forgotten that. But September was a year ago that we bought 20 acres uh, two miles down from where we're at where we've outgrown what we've had and so we bought 20 acres and we got such a deal and we paid for it and, and a year later uh, I, I feel led we get us a future home and we're going to dedicate the property that the handsome gentleman right there kneeling down that's me I'm a brown eyed girl and that's a typical Sunday night crowd for us. And we started out with 18, counting my four. We didn't have McKenzie then. I ran off three, didn't I, Jim, pretty quick. I, five, she says. She keeps up with that. I know about sorrow. Uh, well, y'all laugh, but it happened. So I ran five off and we actually went backwards and then God began to bless us. And so we put this out there. Man, it's beautiful. It's 20 acres. It's cleared off. Four acres wide on U.S. Highway 90. Four acres deep. Got a little three-acre pocket. I mean, that's a humongous like live oak tree there we're going to put right at our entrance. God's blessed us. And so we launched out and that was a, a high force. But I make reference to that because after that event, September, my wife and I were talking about it. It's just been six months. Mr. Deb, it feels like six years because that event angered the adversary. And I don't know if y'all have gone through anything. I'm sure over 70 years you've had to. But you launch out and you, you make a bold statement for the Lord. The next thing you know, you're seeing trouble from every side. But I've come to tell you there's something for somebody on the other side of this. That not long after this, man, we had physical stuff come. Spiritual stuff 
And I, I, I beg you, Liberty, no joking, to allow me just to be transparent with you. We went through a season where we had a, a family leave because I was too hard. A couple of weeks later, a family left because I wasn't hard enough. Now, I'm, on, I'm, on, I'm taking a risk here. We went through a season of just nothing seemed to, to go right. All of this time we have added and added and baptized. And next thing you know, we got a, a lady that's a nurse and her job's taking her to Fort Walton. And so they move. Can I say that when you're trying to build a building, you don't want to see them move? I mean, you, you, you know, you, you're trying to say we're out of room. Next thing you know, there's a pew available. I, I've been there. I've been there. And I've learned enough in ministry that there's certain things you can't say. I can't get behind the pulpit and tell everybody I was right. I didn't do this. There are certain things you just got to wear. There's certain, I'm not going to put them down to lift me up. You just, you just kind of like Jehoshaphat. God, my eyes are on you. And so this rocked on from you'd call to check on me. I want to tell you so bad, but you got all this stuff on you with your own church and your own building. Lunch out, by the way, and get that thing built. <laughs> Our friendship says I'm the reckless one. He's the cautious one. So he's throwing things at me right now. But I wanted to talk to him. I kind of cut myself off. And I said, God, I don't know what to do. I've loved people. I've loved your word. You've sent us here. I know I don't do stuff like this. I felt led to put this sign out there. This, this We're going to do it. And so I got so discouraged. I'm not proud to say this. But I got so discouraged that when it came time for January, just a couple of months ago, I wasn't going to put the building on our agenda for the business meeting. I literally got with my wife. I said, you think I can get away with it? I'm not joking. I said, you really think I can just talk about what we brought in, what we did with it, Sunday school, appointments, missions, and not address the building? Because I just didn't feel the faith. Because we've just been in a season of, of everything coming against us. Of bronchitis and pneumonia and cancer and folks being laid off and, and you know, a couple of families. We, we didn't lose very much, but it just seemed like it was something everywhere. The Bible spoke about when David and Ziklag was burned. He was greatly distressed and he wept until he could weep no more. And then he began to encourage 
himself in the Lord. Hallelujah. That's what you've got to do in the middle of your mourning, in the middle of your sorrow, in the middle of your mess. Sometimes, I'm listening to me, I believe in weeping, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. But there comes an end of it that you've got to say, you know what? I can only do so much of this. I've got to keep on going because I may give out, but I cannot afford to give up. And so I don't know what made me do it, but I got to looking at the numbers. And you know, I'm not, I'm not saying that I did it. If any type of great faith, I was looking at our building fund numbers. And I noticed that from 2011 to 2012, we had an increase of 21% per month on average on giving to our building fund. Then I said, well, that's what all that was going on. I said, let me see how we closed out 2013. And through that, I noticed that we saw a 27% increase from the 21% increase. So all of a sudden, hey, whoo, I feel the Holy Ghost. It's not quite as hopeless as what it looks. That even through this season of suffering and sorrow, our building fund had an increase of 48% on average per month. I'm not bragging about money. My point is this, is sometimes when you're in it and you're overwhelmed by it, it looks like despair and hopeless. But can I tell somebody today, you're closer to your miracle, closer to your answer, closer. If you only knew how close you were, you'd be getting after it right now. If you only realized how close you were to your victory, you'd be getting after it right now. Oh, you just can't give up. You just can't give up. You, you can be seated up. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get there. I'm trying to get to my titles. Hang on. But so I said, huh, that's interesting. It's not quite as bad as what I thought it was. During this season of sorrow, we launched our junior Bible and senior Bible quizzing program in this season of adversity. I had to make some changes on the platform during this season. We turned our youth loose on Sunday nights. My sweet girl there is 13 years old. She's playing the piano on Sunday nights. We've got a 16-year-old boy on the bass, a 17-year-old boy on the drums. We've got teenagers leading worship and don't sit in this home. But a lot of times they're doing better than their Sunday morning crew getting after it. Because I think God was trying to tell me that he can move in the day as well as the night. He's God of the mountain. He's God of the valley. He's God of your merry times. He's God of your sorrow. Can I tell somebody, if you'll just make up your mind to not give up, there's not much you can't walk your way through.
And so from there, if you, if you all behave, I'll get to my title. From there, we, we launch out. We're still doing stuff on the church site. We, we go forward. We vote that business meeting to get our well down, to get our set tank down, and get our site work done. The day after that vote, my church secretary ran into a lady whose mother was a founding member of our church. And she said, when are y'all going to start building? Now, if I'd have been there, what building? So, but she's the day after Sister Gibson. And she says, as a matter of fact, we just voted last night to do the well. And she said, when you start construction, my husband and I have been driving by seeing that sign. And she says, we got a substantial offering that we're going to give you. Now, now substantial to her might be $3, but I'm thinking a bunch of zero. <laughs> Don't hinder my faith. She said substantial. It doesn't matter what it is. But it was once again God confirming his word. Hey, that if I brought you this far, Wednesday night before I come here, an elder in our church came to me. And he says, well, I got a man. He says, when we get ready to do concrete, I got a man who said he's got all the wire and rebar that we can have. If we'll come, just bring, bring something. He'll load it for us. He wants to give it to us. What I'm trying to tell you, listen, I'm, I'm here. I got a, a point here in just a second. What I'm trying to tell you is that thank God. Now, I wish I could say, Brother Jerry, that I had such great faith. God did it in spite of me. I didn't say anything good. I wasn't saying anything bold and powerful. I just kept praying. I kept preaching. Matter of fact, the only folks I didn't even know that I felt like this in my spirit is my brown-eyed girl and now all of you. My church folks don't even know that I wrestled with this in my spirit before that event. But I felt led to bring this story to you and make ourselves transparent before you because I'm not ashamed of your chain. I've come to tell somebody that God can see you through your season of sorrow. God can see you through your season of grief if you just believe and not give up. Here's where it gets really good. A couple of Sundays ago. By the way, we, I don't even know what time, I'm okay on time. The, I'm quitting. We joined in, we did the same progressive fast that you guys did. And did they tell you that when you start fasting, not everything goes your way through that fast? Did they tell you that? It's not in the package. Somebody should have told you that. That when you start fasting, things start fighting against you. Because I think I'm talking to some folks. You've had to fight your way through it and crawl your way through it. But I've come to tell somebody in the Holy Ghost, there's something on the other side of this for you. And so we kind of broke in January, and, and that lifted off of my heart and off of my spirit and man, we had a powerful first of the year. And uh, as a Sunday morning, worship was going pretty good. And we're down up front praying for the sick. A lady comes in. 
I'm not kidding. She began speaking in tongues when she walked in the door. Trying to and pray for her. And so I, I've never met her. And, and I pray for her, and God begins to move. And she grew up in church at Westville. You, you would know her family. But she, she married and she went off, and she's had her own season of sorrow. But she said that while she was at home, that, that God moved on her to come back home. I, I'm not done. It was just what I was looking for. I said, wow, God hadn't forgot about us. And so next thing I know, she's got a Ford Exchange student named Han. How about that? Han in Westville. <laughs> you folks are city-fied to us. Well, I mean, Westville is my it's a world all of us own. So we've got this Chinese exchange student named Han. We take him to kids' crusade. He gets the Holy Ghost there. And so it gets better. Next thing you know, she pulls up, and she's got her sister with her and her kids. And she, I just told them how good it was and what I felt when I come in the door. And I just told them they've got to come here. And I said, wow. Then the next service, she come back, and she said, that's my nephew and his wife. I told them about your preaching, and they wanted to come hear it. And there's a, a pew and a half. Up that but here's my message, Bobby Gibson. Before I left to come here, she said, Papa Burge said the last time I saw him when he was alive was in Walmart. And she said, I wasn't where I needed to be with God. And he said, I'll never forget the last words he said to me. He said, Child, you may give out. But just don't give up. And she said, I thought about that at my house. And that's what made me come here. Not knowing that God blessing her will be the very thing that I was looking for in my spirit. Now, if you want to get real wild, I'll get real wild with you. I believe with all of my heart that the elder spoke that word prophetically, knowing, knowing that one day that lady would come look me in the eye and that would be, preacher, don't you give up. We're going to have revival. My God of mercy, God, I'm going to tell you something. God is not through. God is not through. And if God would do that for me, God do that for you. I'm not trying to magnify my situation. I'm not. And I know there's people that are sounding my voice that you've gone through far worse things than that. And you're saying, get a grip, man. It's going to take more than that. But sometimes things can just overwhelm you. You lose your sense here for a little bit. You lose your faith. But there's something on the other side of this for somebody today. If I could get our musicians to come. Hallelujah. I've 
I feel faith. I feel faith. I believe with every fiber of my being that there's something in this house for you today. I cannot, I can tell you this, I believe God to heal. I believe God to deliver. But what I feel is comfort. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, he referred to it as the comforter. Because see, you, you may get baptized and then get the Holy Ghost. You may get the Holy Ghost and get baptized. But you're going to have to have some sorrow of repentance. Because God laid it down very plain that he'll comfort those who mourn. And so the time of mourning is not just reserved for the death of someone you love. A time of mourning is not just reserved uh, in godly sorrow, work, and repentance. But you will find occasions in your life of grief, of sorrow, of torment, and pain. But I promise you this. On the authority of God's word. That there is a comfort to follow that. If that's not true, then we might as well close up the book. And not preach anymore. Because if the comfort will not take place in this side, my Bible tells me when I step out of mortality into immortality that God shall wipe all tears from my eyes. So I've got a promise of comfort either coming here or coming there. But there is something on the other side of my morning I'm going to say this and I'm going to open these altars up but, but I need before you come I need, I need you to hear me it's before daylight this morning I, wake, I woke up I don't know what to call it a dream a vision and, and I'm out of my comfort zone but I saw something And I said, Lord, what is this that you show me? And it's, I know it's going to sound crazy, but God deals with me in a way that I can understand it. It was almost like I saw a shipping log, like you would order something from Amazon. And the Holy Ghost showed me, Brother Everett, that these are prayers that have been prayed at Hashpin. These are needs that, and petitions that have been offered. By those people. And I said, Lord, what is it I'm looking at then? As you tell them they've shipped. You tell them they've shipped. And I, I thought about how Amazon will let you know the status of what you've ordered. And I said, Tell them they've shipped. Now I know I'm way out here. And this might be my last trip. But as a few folks began to come around the front this morning, the Holy Ghost whispered to me and say they've arrived at their destination. Hayashe oso hi emaha. 
I don't know who you are, but there's something on the other side of this season for you. There's something on the other side. There's sorrow and grief. If I've ever told you anything in the Holy Ghost, there is comfort in this house for somebody. If you have prayed a prayer and you've come looking for something, come upon Yosiah. Hallelujah. Bobby, I feel that. Will you help me pray? There's going to be some come by and lay hands on you. There's a comfort. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806. Or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.